Blog Talk Radio.
a massive movement is going on. Melanin is being destroyed. But the system of white supremacy says, I will be able, by offering grants, I will be able by offering jobs, to tell you that you are the cause of the death of black people. I'll be doing it, but I'll make you focus on yourself and try to figure out how you can destroy one another. I'll do it to you in Rwanda. I'll set up the Hutu and I'll set up the Tutsis. I will give each group all the weapons they need. And I say, now I have taught you to hate your melanated selves. Now you fight each other. I'll do it to you on the streets in Los Angeles. I'll set up one group the Crips and another group the Bloods. I'll set up all kind of Muslim groups and say, fight each other. I know I can get you to do it because I have programmed you for thousands of years to hate black. But if we don't see that this war is on the table, we will go off focusing on something else altogether, and the slaughter will continue. So I say, and I know you've heard me say this before, that when I say that the system of racism, white supremacy, is the critical thing that we must focus on because that is what is waging war against us. The white people came up with a plan some years back, Global 2000, in which they said it's too many people of color on this planet. By the year 2000, it's necessary to get rid of two billion. They are about business. They are about serious business, removing as they deem necessary the people of melanin on this planet. If we do not understand and make an analysis that this is fundamental, it is this dynamic that is taking us out. Everything that we look at, everything else, I believe, and I could be wrong, but as it comes to me, it will be in vain. Everything that we are studying is important. Everything that we look at has high level significance. But if we are not understanding this massive war and what is at stake, I believe we will not be able to apply our energy force in a laser type manner so that we really begin to neutralize the war that is coming at us. To me, it is critically essential for us to develop or to articulate a new world order of And that was the late, recently late, the great, my hero, uh, Dr. Francis Cress Wellsing. Uh, I hope you heard her. 
everybody, I hope you're listening, because what she spoke was undisputed truth. If you want to dispute that truth, then you can give us a call. If you want to acknowledge that truth, you can give us a call at 718-664-9513. 718-664-9513. You want to call in, share your thoughts. Uh, we have open mic. Uh, we're not like a traditional mainstream radio show. I will not uh, disconnect you because you disagree. Uh, you, I will not uh, have you speaking for 30 seconds and cut you off. Uh, you can speak your mind in the manner in which you want to speak your mind. We have it like that here. Today is Thursday, 30th of March. Uh, we decided to do a 6 o'clock show because I definitely wanted to get uh, the guests that I have on today in. And uh, so I moved it up an hour and uh, actually moving it up an hour. I kind of like that. I just might keep on doing that. We'll see what happens. But start off the show, and we're gonna in the second hour we're gonna bring on our education expert uh, Rosita Shatanda to talk about what's coming up this Friday. Very important information that you need to know about this Friday that you will get here like you won't get anywhere else. I promise you. But starting the show, we want to bring on a brother here who has done a few shows with me, and uh, we we have uh, we have had an agreement have our agreements, and we've disagreed. And I tell you, we get into the ring and we disagree like two prize fighters sparring. We let it go. We, uh, we we wing it. We we, we connect, and uh, the, the bell rings, and we're back in our corner, and we we go out to have dinner. We go on to talk. It's just no big deal. Uh, nothing's taken personal. Like some people have disconnected me because they disagree with some stances I've had, which is fine. But uh, one thing I really appreciate, Brother Dan Lee, who is our guest, and I didn't mean to get the name out so quick, but I did. But uh, he puts out some really really important information every day on. Uh, on Facebook, and I, I would actually suggest, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind, that if you're not connected and friends with Dan Lee, uh, that you do so and get into some of this information that Dan puts out. It's really, really important information that you need to know. So uh, I do want to bring on Brother uh, Dan Lee, who is the unapologetic black liberal on our We Are Everyday People Global Internet Network. Brother Dan, welcome, and thanks for coming back on again, man. I appreciate you. Hey man, I appreciate you asking, man. I know you got your, you got a full crew there. You got some really great people in this network. You know, I'm just uh, glad I can contribute anything to it whatsoever. Uh, like the young lady you got coming up next. You know, I I uh, read a lot of her stuff. Uh, she's got a great video she just posted a couple of days ago, and uh, she's the go-to person as far as I'm concerned, as far as um, as far as education is concerned. Which is obviously, uh, if anybody's been following Chicago News, we are having all kinds of education problems ranging from uh, from kindergarten on all the way up through college. Uh, you know, we got budget problems. We have schools that are uh, having all types of problems. We got teachers doing a walkout. But uh, I'm not going to uh, talk too much about that because that's Rosita's specialty, and she's the expert, and I learned from her. So that's the person you need to listen to. Uh, Jimmy Absolutely. Jimmy Williams, you know he you know he's got he's got a little bit of everything going. He's he's the artistic <laughs> one in the bunch. He's yes, artistic sir. one in the but he, at the same time, you know a lot of artistic people have a have, have a tendency to bow out of uh, bow out of too much social issues. But, but brother man gets ne- neck deep in it. He ain't afraid to get involved with nothing. And we also have Absolutely. had our couple of disagreements over the years. But you know, like I said, it's a thing like you know we got to be able to disagree and uh, shake hands and walk away. Just like we were scrapping in the schoolyard or something. Mutual respect. I'll tip your hat to tip, tip my hat to you, and let's move on. Absolutely. It, it's simple as that. It's simple as that. I wish more yep. people can do that because I've had, and I'm sure you nice. had, 
issues and people taking it personal and saying, man, you can't handle a debate. Heat of debate, then, uh, you know, where's your manhood? I mean, take it like a man, dish a it womanhood. out. you got to be able to take it. A too. womanhood. You know, or a womanhood. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, sir. Uh, not yes, a gender sir. issue. You're right. Uh, <laughs> women out, there's some women out here, man, that can slug, slug, slug with the best of them, both physically and mentally. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? So I, Absolutely. I definitely uh, want to include the ladies in that. So uh, what do you want to deal with first? It's just so much. Anything in particular you want to jump on first? It, it is so, yeah, well, I, I do want to backtrack because I haven't done a show uh, since uh, – I haven't done my show. I've done uh, the other uh, host shows with them. But I'm, I wanted to get one in today myself because I wanted to kind of go back and just say kudos to, South, uh, to Chicago again, man, because they really, they really made me proud in the way they got that skunk, Anita Alvarez, on office, man. I take my hat off to Chicago, and that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah. You know, just for a point of information, this is an area much bigger than Chicago. Cook County encompasses a lot of cities, and it's almost it's it's uh, the the most populated area in the entire state. Uh, back in the old days, they used to call it Chicago land. Uh, so it's not just Chicago; it's the south suburbs. It's part of you know it's part of different parts of uh, Illinois, and they all came together, including not the, even Latino uh, people turned on her. After you know, because everybody yes. has a sense of fairness. Everybody has a sense of fairness to some degree, except for some Republicans. But I won't go into that. Everybody has a sense of fairness for the most part, and they stomped on her three to one, three to one. Yes. And it was, it, it was, it was well deserved, believe me, because uh, that woman, that woman has been a disaster, and not just with the McDonald case, which the media was trying to pretend it was just about that one case. She had a history going back years, and as you well know, and some a lot of our. Uh, Facebook friends and so forth, they also know this, that, that uh, Alvarez had to go. If we didn't do this, oh, we, would never do any, we would never do anything. I mean, she just spat on our face, spat in our faces over and over again. So that is one thing that we did, and I'm just hoping that we can follow up and continue with the activism, like the, like the yes. young people that come forth with, with the uh, you know, BLM matter, Black, Black Lives Matter, and people like that. I, I really, I'm really happy to see them and get more involved, and I hope it stays that way. Well, I'll definitely say to uh, uh, that thing, Anita Alvarez, good effing writ- riddance, get the hell out of Dodge. And I tell you, it'll never happen, but I swear to God, man, I had a thought. I said, man, it would be something if, uh, if uh, Tim Fox got in there and, and, and thought, thought her ass to trial for cover-up. It won't happen, but it's a hell of a thought to have. I'm going to hold on to the thoughts and hold on to the wish. And, uh, what yeah, else? I would I'm love that, too, but I don't see that happening either, just being realistic. Uh, she's got enough. Of, she's going to have enough on her plate just walking into that office with all the unfinished business and all the cover-ups that have gone on in that woman's uh, office. She's been connected with that office for 26 years, going all the way back to Delhi in one, in one way or another. And she has ooh, the, the trail that she has left. But anyway, she's and going she now. Yeah, she's got very nasty about it, yeah. Yeah, she had an attitude. Of, like, she haven't done nothing wrong. I tell you, her concession speech was the most arrogant ass piece of crap I've ever heard in my life. Did you Did you hear her concession speech? Yeah, some of it. I kind of turned it off because I I, I anticipated. I, I anticipated that. You know, I don't need to to see any more from her. I don't need to hear any more from her. She's exactly. gone. Well, she's exactly. out of the office yet. Because <laughs> there's, there's some more cases. There's some more cases coming up where she's going to have the opportunity to press not press charges to charge individuals for some egregious things they've done. Uh, if she continues on the path she's been on for the last 26 years, that will be just more that Kim Fox will have to look at and review when she gets into that office. 
on that note, the whole and I love that term, that's permeated. It's permeated with her stench. Yes. And I was going to say that on her on that note, let's get off her office and off of her before she sprays us. So we'll leave her alone right that, there and get out the force. Oh. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> but right now we got we got Man. war going on right now with you know we got budgetary issues that are threatening to tear this state apart. And there's blame yeah, to go around for everything. Say again? I was about to go there, man. This, this, Illinois, I mean, I understand, you know, people had their little reasons for going around. I never understood any, any of them, but, uh, you know, they wanted to get that clan out. And, uh, you know, his three blind mice, Hermine Hartman, uh, James Meeks, and Cory Booker, uh, they're very silent <laughs> now. Uh, first, first thing she says, like, well, Ronald walked into 20 years of this and that. Well, hell, he sure didn't do a damn thing to fix it. Well, you know, the deal was, actually, Rauner actually never really gave anyone an itinerary. He just gave you a general overview of what he had planned to do, and he did warn folks that it was going to be a lot of pain. And his history, you could look at his history and see all the pain was going to be on poor and working people. Everything that he did affected poor and working people. He he went through the door. He went through the door closing daycare centers and refusing to pay uh, uh caregivers and, and things of that nature. He came to the door doing that at the same time, giving his, giving his wife, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a point, a hundred-something thousand dollar secretary to his wife, which, who was not even a, a, an employee of the state. He did all kinds of arrogant crap, crap, and never to this day that I know of did anything to the one percenters and the two percenters that are in control, in, that are in control of this entire budget. They never got touched, but everything was on us. How are you going to balance a budget on the people that don't have the money? It's ridiculous. And the things he was asking for had nothing to do with the budget. Nothing to do with the budget. It was an agenda that's been pushed all over the country by the Republicans, and he, he takes our budget and holds it hostage. And that's what's going on right here. That's the bottom line. If you're sincere about it, I would have had more respect for him if he had a, you know, spread the pain around, but he chose not to do that. He, chose, he chooses to continue to punish those that he considers less than, and that's, that's the way it's going all the way, you know, ever since he's been here. It, it, it is it's just a nightmare, and they're talking about closing Chicago State. I mean, this is <laughs> unfortunately they have a guy on the other side like Mike Madigan who they can use as ammunition yeah. to fire back and, to, and throw yeah. the blame on the Democrats. But there's probably some there. But uh, yeah, there's it, some it, there, no doubt about situation. that. There's no doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is, when you come through the door saying things like "my way or the highway" in so many words. And you got to give me this, that, and this, and that, even though it has nothing to do with what your your objectives objectives are. Then you put everybody in the corner. You can't come to the door uh, issuing ultimatums. This is not one of your companies. This is a state. This is a state with real people and real people with real needs. So uh, he's going to have to back off of that. This last election was a referendum on. He had three candidates that he spent that, that he uh, put him and his pack spent millions of dollars on, and all three of them lost and, and lost big. Now, you would think that he would have learned something from that, but he's dug his heels in, and and uh, he doesn't come around the black community very much. He sends his surrogates, and they, they don't want they don't come too often either. So this is what we are right now. I was going to uh, bring – I'm having a, I'm having a uh, memory lapse here because I can't think of the one brother alderman who was defeated, who was the one Democrat, uh, Ken uh, – Ken. Ken, someone. Duncan, like in Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what is your? I, 
Do you have an insight? What is your take on his situation as to why he wasn't reelected? I know he 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 had sided with the Wilder on some things, and the Democrats had a problem. Oh, absolutely, he sure did. It was his refusal to help override the veto when when Ron. See, the Democrats did present a budget. He had had stuff in it that 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 that, that was maybe over the budget, but all that could have been worked out. But rather than Ken Duncan voting on a budget one way or the other, he left town. That's when all this stuff stuff started. When they when they realized they had at least they had Ken Duncan and they got two other Republicans to help block every you know to help uh, perpetrate this mess upon the people. They were they in the driver's seat again. They were in the driver's seat. And Ken Duncan basically was the point man for this, and he ran under the auspices of holding both parties accountable and, and things of this nature. But what he did hurt people in his ward and all the black wards in the state, all the black areas in the state, because of these things that Ronna had cut out of the budget. Because they were going to override some of the stuff that he did, and Duncan ducked out on us. He ducked out on us. But then he says he's, he's, trying to, he's, he's doing a message to uh, Mike Madigan. Madigan's not being hurt by this. His own constituents is being worked by it. Let me give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. Duncan was running ads bragging about how, since he started talking to Republicans and Democrats, how he got $2 billion, that's two with a B now, he got $2 billion restored to the budget of his district, which is roughly about 100,000 people out of, out of millions of people in the state. So my point was this. If he could get $2 billion restored to his district, that's about five, five to ten times more money than Chicago State needs to stay open. To give you an example of how much money that he that he got right off the top of his district, not to mention the PACs that contributed, uh, I think, one to two million dollars right off the top, were on his PACs, his political action committees, and he spent they spent millions of dollars this way on Duncan and two other I can't remember the two other people that he was backing real heavily, and all of them lost. To show you the shenanigans that are going on. But he can do what he wants to do when he gets ready to do it. You can get two billion in one district. He could have he could have he could have uh, spread that two billion over de- over half the state almost, and kept a lot of those daycare workers and those job programs open. But instead, he gives it to one district as a reward. I mean, think about that for a minute. Chicago State needed two hundred and forty some million to stay open. Mm-hmm. A billion is mm-hmm. a, a billion is a thousand million. That's five times what Chicago State needed, and it's not just Chicago State. It's all of the two-year colleges, all of the uh, community colleges in in, this, in the uh, state are going to be hurt by uh, some of Ronner's, some of, uh, Ronner's cuts, all of them. The Chicago State and was it, in it, the it, least. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, it just seems like, uh, is, this, is, this, is this so deep for you think Duncan was just was pocketing cash, man? I mean, how can you and your no, right I don't mind think, I don't think like that? I don't think he was pocketing cash, but I'm thinking he's looking ahead where he can make more cash. That could, I'm just speculation. I have no no reason to think that Ken Duncan is a corrupt man. I'm thinking Ken Duncan was trying to position himself because he's very ambitious. He's trying to position himself for bigger and better things. That's why he got into the problem with, with the president when the president came in and endorsed his opponent because he ran that ad with uh, against uh, President Obama's wishes right. when, he, when President Obama came here and spoke to the legislature. He ran that ad in such a way to make it look like that President Obama was endorsing him. And President Obama got pissed off and went and endorsed his opponent. 
Now, make no mistake, his opponent is a very qualified uh, young lady. I think her name is Stratton, Julia Stratton. Very qualified, right, very right. bright woman. So it's not just somebody they threw up there. She's really good. But, uh, you know, even that's, that's how President Obama got involved. So Duncan is a very ambitious individual, and I'm thinking that he's looking down the road. He's looking at some kind of, uh, uh, what are those cats uh, that work? A lobbyist. I, he may be trying to be a lobbyist. He may be thinking about switching over to the Republican Party because they're they desperate for semi-credible black people for the P- Republican Party. So he might be looking down that road. He's, he had been in that office for 13 years, and uh, he, he's built up his credibility up, to, up until now anyway. And he has a following, so maybe he's looking down the road or something else. I don't know. Oh, he had me. He better be because what he thought he had gone ain't happening. And I, I, I'm glad that was under the circumstances. You know, it's about time that you know some lessons are taught by him. Alvarez, I hope Wyom eventually gets his lesson learned. And speaking of that, another uh, skunk. Uh, this police superintendent that he supposedly selected after rejecting the uh, recommendations of the committee. Yeah. Uh, and then I was looking at the post that you put in as far as this man having the nerve mm-hmm. to. Make it even an insinuation that in his 27 years he never witnessed any type of police uh, misconduct. Right there, my, my, yeah. my off and on switch went to off, man. Yeah, I noticed that. It ain't happened. <laughs> but it's actually it's more than that. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm taking everything that I've heard about this man in the last couple of days because I never heard of him up to this point. And matter of fact, I talked uh, on WVON this morning about this, making the case as about the red flags that come up in this particular situation. Now, the way I'm looking at it, uh, the old Rahm Emanuel's arrogance is slowly coming back. For him to just completely disregard this dog and pony show that he initiated, that took a lot of arrogance. What the hell is that? Oh, that's my phone. (laughs) That took a lot of arrogance. (laughs) Yeah, that was my cell phone. Um, that took a lot of arrogance on his part because the whole thing was based upon this committee. Am I correct? This committee that the search committee and here's your three candidates. Everybody's assuming he's going to choose one of those three candidates, which he completely disregarded. Right. No, I want this guy. So the next question is, who in the hell is this? So he went back and everybody loves him. He's this and he's that, which may all be true. I got nothing against this man personally, but I'm looking at all the different things that, uh, that have been said about him out of his own mouth and out of Rahm Emanuel's mouth. So first person I'm going to look at is Emanuel. To me, Emanuel, I think, needs someone in that position that he can control Absolutely. and someone to help him hide his involvement in the McDonald case and probably others. We haven't seen all those tapes yet. Make no mistake. There are other cases. There are other, other videos out there that we haven't seen yet. Secondly, the words out of the commander's mouth or the chief's mouth, the new chief's mouth, what he said was, well, I always go where they tell me. I never try to aspire to higher office. I, wherever they tell me to go, that's where I go and do the best I can. So that, that's interesting. Then they, they wanted Derek Blakely, Derek Blakely on CBS News interviewed him yesterday and asked him point blank, okay, why did you not apply for this job? His answer I found was extremely weird and curious. He deferred because of Escalante, Escalante being the man that Rahm Emanuel appointed, despite the fact that Escalante signed off on those five cops that did those false reports on the McDonald case. And Escalante is the head, was the head of the, uh, one, the detective unit that is the whitest unit 
in the city. It's 90-something percent white in a all, in a work uh, mostly black districts. Okay, so he's deferring to Escalante. He said, I didn't apply because of my respect for Escalante. So that's another red flag to me. Thirdly, thirdly, the remarks that he made that he didn't actually witness anything, anything out in his 26 years on the force because other people, uh, the people that do that won't do it in front of witnesses. Okay, taken by itself, that might be an out. Okay, so I'll, I'll pretend you didn't see nothing for 26 years. Okay, we'll, we'll pretend that. But then he goes on in the interview, and Blakely asked him about the blue wall of silence. And he implied that the blue wall of silence, what he said was, well, if it, if it exists, we'll put something in place for that too. Now, to me, that's another red flag. Everybody knows about the blue wall of silence. Even cops have admitted that. But he's implied that maybe it exists. So he said, he's saying that some guys just may be making mistakes, so we've got to have something on both sides for the guys that just made a mistake or the guys that – he said the guy should be telling us they see something wrong, but he has to look – you know, he's, he's implying it doesn't exist, to make a long story short. I forget his exact words. Now, if I take all of these things together, that's enough red flags to stretch the whole parade route of the Bud Billiken parade to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, wait a minute now. This is too much for me. Yeah. I can't think of all this. Seems, I mean, one statement I could have dealt with, but all this other stuff put together, it seems like a yes man to me. It, 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 absolutely. That, that's, that's what I'm thinking, because that's the only type of person that uh, Emmanuel would have appointed uh, for this job. And for for the man to not even have applied for the job right there, it, it doesn't pass the smell test because, like you said, you didn't apply for the job, then why would you pick a man who didn't even apply for the job? What's up with that? And if he knew you that you wanted the man, why don't you come out and say that in the first place? Or it, it, if it, it was all that, why didn't you appoint him interim in the first place? Yes, all that, all that. Yeah, he went to Escalante. He, he, he found for the right reason. man for the. He found the yeah. right man for the job the same way that uh, I'm thinking that, and hopefully I'm. I really do hope I'm wrong, but that's just where my head is right now because of you know because of history. I, he found the right man for the job the same way George Bush Senior found the right man for the job and appointing Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. He was the right man yeah. for the job that they needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They could not have got a better man to do what they needed done mm-hmm. than Clarence Thomas. So, no, no doubt about it. So we'll I, see know, what happens. I want, uh, I'm hoping this guy is, is a good person for this job. But like I said, that's an awful lot of red flags. And I keep hearing people saying what a great guy he is and all that. You know, I don't doubt that. You know, maybe he is the best man for the job. But like I said, taking all together, this stuff doesn't smell right to me. Well, when you got to when it's coming from a man with no credibility, with the history of Rahm Emanuel, how can you not be uh, suspicious and uh, of anything that he does? I mean, he, he deserves that scrutiny. He put himself in there. Yeah, he and does. That's the he way it is. earned it. He's earned every bit of it. Oh, one more thing, Emanuel said. When asked if uh, you know he, he's breaking president by not taking the recommend, recommendations of the police board, guess who he cited? as his mentor for doing this. The Dailies did that. So why would you bring up something the Dailies did when they had some of the most brutal regimes as far as police brutality ever? So he's going to use that as an example. I guess we're supposed to forget about all these things. And actually, I guess in many cases, a lot of us, especially the younger people, don't even know about it. So he's using that. He said, no, no, I'm not. A Dailey did it, so on, so on, so on, so on, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but Dailey had a terrible regime as far as police brutality. Going, uh, both of them did you can pick either one of them. 
So if, that, if that's your if that's your example, you need to come up with something else. But nobody called him on it, so it's just out there. So he's done. He he did his little interview and he went back in his office. Yeah, so that's where we are right now. Now, <clears throat> this past Sunday, I started to post some stuff this Sunday, but I said, you know what, I'm not gonna go there because I was just too. I damn I, I needed to go out and get a neck brace because I was shaking my head so much because I don't want to disrespect anybody's. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to embrace pagan holidays and you know more power to you, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not with it. But uh, every time I look around, it's Happy Easter, uh, Resurrection Day, and okay, that's fine. That's fine with it. I get all that. that that's cool. mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, I believe there's life on other planets because it just makes sense that there is. But I, I don't, I'm not tripping on that and trying to convince anybody that it's the truth because I couldn't possibly know. So, you know, Easter comes and you, you, you wake up and you're reading everything. And, and I also read that uh, a lot of the shootings that took place as people are celebrating Easter were still getting shot, were still getting killed, and the, the, the band just plays on. We, we just mm-hmm. seem like a, a lost sheep. Now, I'm thinking, I've always said that every time this happens, we, we talk about the gun problem, we talk about gun control, because, okay, that they, perhaps that there is a place with that. But the problem to me personally is we have a mental problem, man. That has to be addressed. We have a mental problem. Our youth are being programmed. We're not countering it. We're not. We're not offering critical thinking, conflict resolution, anger management in, in kindergarten through twelfth grade. You know, we're not doing anything. I remember. Uh, remember back in the days when not not even back in the days, but you know, coming up, uh, we, we hear uh, commercials. Remember in, in conjunction, junction, what's your function? Uh, uh, could be you. The could be you commercials. The uh, uh, the, the anti-littering campaign, they're trying to teach you how to throw garbage out. They show the Indian crime, right. uh, the, mo- the Yo, most important person commercials. Right, Things that right. kind of make you think. We went from that to BET, VH1, and MTV. Yeah. Yeah, the, we've become mass media saturated to the point where I think that a lot of us think that's the reality now. Uh, the reality shows have become the reality. Uh, I, I got into it a, I get into a, a, on a Facebook debate with a young lady who uh, calls herself a great researcher, and she's written a couple of books she's gotten published and all that. And she she's hit me with references to prove her points from the National Enquirer and uh, uh, Donald Trump's reality show, the, the Apprentice. She's a Trump supporter, by the way. And she hits me with stuff like that to prove her points. And it's just hard for me to even go there with her. I just can't accept these these type of sources as actual references to anything that are based in reality. I mean, she she mentioned the fact, well, the National Enquirer was right about this or that or this or that. And I just said to her, I said, well, a broken watch is a broken clock is right twice a day, but it is not an alarm clock. It is not reliable. Yes, you can stumble upon something uh, truthful every now and then, but the, the the example that she gave me was over ten years ago the last time they were right on something. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't really deal with you on this level. And she got all upset, you know, you know, whatever. But it, it's really crazy stuff going on here. People are really referencing some really strange things. Like I heard a lady on Al Sharpton's show today, and she's screaming and yelling about Bernie Sanders. Uh, How is he going to pay for this? There's nowhere where he said he was going to pay for this, blah, 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 blah. And I remember clearly, I know that I posted some stuff, not that she has to go to my Facebook page, but I know the information is there, that clearly references everything that he's, that he's proposing and every, and every way he's going to pay for it. It's all out there. All somebody has to do 
it, it takes less than two minutes to do this. But rather than do that, we'd rather just bitch. You can't pay for this. How are you going to get some free tuition? Blah, 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 blah. I said, everything he proposes is like 10% of the whole defense budget. What are you talking about? Even if even if you took it out of that at that part of it, you could do it that way. But then he got a whole thing of how's, how it's going to be paid for. It's all out there on the Internet. All they have to do is Google uh, how does Sanders propose to pay for his uh, proposals. Bam, everything comes up. It's real simple. But people won't do that. They'd rather get out there and sound important, act like they're educated and stuff, and then they'll throw a Bible scripture or two in there, and this, then the conversation is supposed to be over. Oh, boy. Weird. Yeah, that, that, uh, it does not that, 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 really that. get me. Those really yeah. get me. I try. I try not to come too hard because they really have no platform to stand on. It's now, if you you can, I mean, you know, like I said, if you believe it, you can go. You know, you can tell me that all day. Okay, that's what you believe, but you don't, they don't. It's not presented as a belief. It's presented as a divine knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. As though they are absolutely correct, not as a belief, because I can deal with a belief. But when you're trying to pass on yeah. to me as some kind of knowledge, said, I ain't well, not. a carved in stone fact. I said, wait a minute, you got yeah. all this other stuff in there. You know, I said, and I throw some examples at him. So you cannot say that just because something was written in this book 40 years after Jesus Christ supposedly left this earth, that that means it's true. Even a, even a, a, a scholars, religious scholars admit a lot of that stuff is parables. And so how all of a sudden you throw this in there and all of a sudden the conversation is over because the CSO and the Bible, that's bull stuff. You know, I'm not going for that. Well, no, you got to do a little bit than that. People, you can't have a conversation like that. People are into a comfort zone. That's a, that's a major problem with people in general. I'm not going to say just black people, but people that they, they're, they're yeah. so embedded into this comfort zone that you know they, they just want, want that comfort zone agitated. It doesn't doesn't matter whether it's true or untrue. It's whether or not it makes them feel comfortable in that thought process, yeah. and that's where they're at. That's why we're so messed up, man. In my opinion. Yeah, that's that's. You I know, think that's a lot has a lot to do with it because. There are certain things when you try to discuss it in a rational in a rational way, people, you know, they kinda go off on you a little bit. Yeah. Man, let me uh eventually we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the Hillary chocolate. We we had an interesting <laughs> debate on that. We'll <laughs> talk about that one again too. And uh, but you know one thing I like about uh debating with you. One one thing about you I I'm gonna warn anybody, don't don't go trying to debate with Dan if you ain't done no homework. Okay? I'm just gonna tell you right. Don't don't do this. You know, just keep your mouth shut. If you ain't done your background, uh, if Dan says something you don't agree with, don't just jump in that topic because you're going to get schooled, okay? So I'm I'm, I'm kind of warning for you, maybe to weed some of those folks out there, all right? <laughs> but uh, I appreciate that you because you make me think. You know, even when we disagree, at least, at least you make me juggle the thought. If, if I may not change, I may adjust, and I have adjusted on some things. But uh, you, you make me think about it, and I, and I like that because that just makes me a better person. But you know but, what? You no, know, I understand the yeah. passion because I think you're a little more, a little more emotional than I am, and you get like you use the word principle a lot. Now, me, some people say I have no principles. I'm all about, <laughs> I'm all about, uh, all about facts and issues. <laughs> you know, which I prefer to take it that way, simply because yeah. if you try to battle everybody on their principles, you'll be arguing all day long. Which is why I try to stay away from that part of it because okay, I understand that some people are adamantly opposed to say they have like homosexuality or or uh, abortion or whatever that's that's your inner core that's your principles i'm cool with that but don't try to tell me that just because you have that passion that you have the right to impose that passion upon someone else that's where we have our problems and it's this is also not 
you know, this is not a, 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 a theocracy, it's a democracy. Well, actually, a representative dem- democracy, a public. You know, this is not a theocracy. So, you know, we don't get to, we don't, we cannot impose our religious principles on each other, even though it's been tried over and over again. When you start doing that, that's how you end up with groups like ISIL or those people that bomb abortion clinics. Exactly. Exactly. Let me let's let's go into because you had mentioned we we you had uh, your stance was uh, okay if if Hillary Clinton is the Democratic nominee, even those of us and I know you're uh, you're Bernie uh, Sanders man and so am I, but even yeah. even those of us who were Bernie Sanders supporters should switch over and support Hillary Clinton because we got to keep Donald Trump out of there. And I, and I absolutely well, get that. That's not complicated. Okay, I was but saying. Okay, go ahead. It's deeper than that, though. It's deeper than that. Okay. But go ahead. But I'll just, I'll just give the little foundation of how, how we got started on the debate. And I, and I was That's saying, how we yes, started I on the debate, right. And I, I was saying, look, yeah, this is what I said. I said, look, if, if Hillary Clinton is the best that we have to offer, then maybe we, maybe we deserve a Donald Trump because one day I'm playing sure that skunk will do Trump. He will make us wake up. And I think Hillary Clinton is like a volume. Hillary Clinton will have us sleepwalking thinking that we got something. And that's how that kind of got started. But go ahead with what you were going to say as far as it being deeper than that. Okay. To me, it's deeper than that simply because of this. First of all, I want to go back to both of, our, both of us support Bernie Sanders, okay? Yes. Now, yes. the facts prove that 93% of the time they agree on issues. So I'm trying to figure out what in this 7% would make a person dislike Hillary Clinton so much that they would consider – Going over to someone like a Trump or a Cruz, I consider Cruz every bit as dangerous as Donald Trump. He's just he's backed off for right now because he's letting Trump take take the center stage and take all the heat. But they are alike on a lot of issues. I posted something today about the ways that Cruz and Trump are just alike. Okay, here's what I'm saying: if if Sanders and Hillary are so close in most issues and damn near all the major issues, only seven percent of the time maybe they actually disagreed on votes. How does that 7% translate into supporting someone who could potentially end, have us end up in a nuclear war? You're talking about, you're talking about things like uh, nuclear war. You're talking about Supreme Court justices. You're talking about voting rights. You're talking about the Voting Rights Acts. Uh, there are so many issues out there that are critically uh, you know, important right now. And I cannot let the 7% disagreement overcome the 100% disagreement. I, I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that because those two guys are madmen. Now you're talking about it might wake us up if Trump or someone like him gets in there. I'm saying that not they might bury us. It's not yeah. beyond the realm of possibility. And to me, that takes so much precedence over a personal dislike of any candidate anywhere. I, I just can't do that. I, you know, I, my mind won't do that. To me, that's like that's like. Well, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I don't get it. it. Yeah, it's, there's only 7% difference. There's not a lot of difference between the two. That's why I hate it when I see them bickering with each Not them bickering with each other, but their followers are bickering with each other. But we did this same thing in 2008, remember? In 2008, uh, the Hillary voters were saying they wouldn't vote for Barack Obama and vice versa. All this, all this acrimony was, was generated during the primaries. And I understand the passion behind it because I was out there in the streets working for Barack Obama. I, was, I went in all kinds of crazy-ass neighborhoods. People wanted to put dogs on you and all that. And I was all, all in 
with Barack Obama. But had Hillary Clinton won, I would not have hesitated to support her because she was leaps and bounds ahead of John McCain. You know, especially for things that we need as a people. You know, I can't see allowing them to turn back health care. Uh, I can't see them appointing some more John Scalia-like people uh, to the Supreme yeah. Court. I cannot see them dismantling every single thing that has been done in the last seven years. People don't seem to realize that we went from losing 800,000 jobs a year to gaining over 200,000 jobs. I'm sorry, a month. I should 800,000. We were losing 800,000 jobs per month. That is a fact. Anyone can look it up. We are now gaining over 200,000 per month for the longest period ever in the history of the United States. Both of these candidates on the Democratic side will at least, you know, follow the basic blueprint that we already follow, we're already following, whereas everybody on the Republican side are trying to dismantle all this simply because of ideological reasons. And to me, that is crazy. It just drives me nuts when I hear that. I said, but, but, but. I, I, how does that work? You know, I don't know what it is about individuals. You know, I don't want to get into the personality. I don't want to get into the personality. It's none of my business. Yeah. But if yeah. it's only a 7% difference, how could you make that 100% switch? I don't get it. And I, and I, and I hear you, man. I'll I tell you one thing. I, I'm definitely emotional, but I, I'm not close-minded with it. You know what I mean? I, I, I pay attention, I you. and uh, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not just clo- a close-minded fool with it. I mean, I can go there, but... And you you make sense, man. I, I, how can I argue with that? How can I argue with that? Because I mean, I, I have to admit that pretty much any other move would would, would be any, would be moved pretty, pretty much based on emotion, and especially when you look at the Supreme Court situation. Uh, you know, I, 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 I tell you, it, I can't argue with that. I cannot even debate against it. You know, I can I can say how I feel all day. Yeah, well, you but, know, that's why uh, I try to stay away from that part of it because I can't, you know, I don't yeah. try to really sway people. I just try to put the facts before them and let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if I'm arguing with you, somebody else might overhear it and might be thinking like you. They may not be as entrenched as you, and maybe some of them will see, the, you know, the folly and self-destruct. That would be a, a self-destructive move in my part, on my opinion, to allow something like that to happen because, you know, you don't like a person personally. I, I, no, well, that's, I just can't get it. That's one of the reason. That's 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 one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on and I wanted to have us talk about it because I, I do think it's something that uh, even if uh, people stick to whatever they're thinking about, they need to hear it and have a little more to uh, uh, base their considerations and, and, and opinions on. And you know, the way you're putting it is almost like you, you just have to well, maybe go in there. Yeah, you may need to go right. in and hold your nose, but uh, you know you do, you, it's got to be done, I suppose. And, it, and it's not like the first time we've done that. <laughs> I mean, we do it in our own neighborhoods. You know, as far as sometimes we have a couple. To give you an example. Have you checked out the situation that happened there? Uh, that is, I don't mean to change the subject, but but what's happening with Flint and Detroit and all this stuff? The stuff in the school districts there in Detroit. I just posted something oh. on it. They got about thirteen principals that have been taking money from the kids and all this. I mean, these are people in our own neighborhoods that are doing us evil. Or if you've got a congressman that's been, been there for 25 years, you've got one coming in that's going to be a freshman, do you stay with the seniority or do you go with the younger person? We make these decisions all the time. But we have, to me, you have to make these kind of decisions on facts and issues when it comes to things that are affecting all of us. 
We, didn't, we don't have to sleep with Hillary Clinton. We ain't got to go to home with her. And I don't think she's going to – she's already stated that she will definitely continue Barack Obama's uh, direction and legacy. Now, she said that already, and Bernie Sanders has said as much also. But then on the other side, you got just the opposite. So you have to decide between do you want to go the direction the GOP wants to take you in, which is to dismantle everything that's been done over the last seven years. Actually, beyond that, if you count the, you know, the Voting Rights Act and, and the Supreme Court and all that, it goes back hundreds of years. Now, if you want to take all that apart, then, then that's your choice. But think about it. That's all I'm saying is think about it. Oh, yeah, and I, and I do that. Like I said, I'm, I'm never closed-minded. Well, I can't say I'm never closed-minded, but generally speaking, <laughs> when, it's, when it's told nonsense, I can close my mind on that. But I'm saying when, when, yeah. when you know, things are rational to make sense, I, 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 I take heed, man. I pay attention. That's one thing I like about me. Uh, we're coming down to, like, the end. But I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned, and I remember you posting, you wrote, when you first went to see the movie Race, and you commented yeah. on how you were in there, and you were somewhat apprehensive about the crowd that was in there. But as it turns out, these people were, were, were model students who really uh, yeah. surprised you to the point of having to seek out the teachers and complimenting them on that. Tell, tell us a little about that, man, and about the movie and what you, how you would recommend it. Okay. Now, the movie Race, for those who don't know, is about basically the, start, the story of Jesse Owens, who in the, I think it was the 1936 Olympics, or 34, I get those years mixed up, Olympics uh, went – and uh, to the Olympics, and completely, he and along with Ralph Metcalf and some other folks, uh, some more black people and some Jewish people that were on the U.S. Olympic team, went there and humiliated Hitler and his theories of race superiority, which is what it was all about. And it shows his trials and tribulations and all the things he went through, even though he was a, a hero uh, to the whole world. A lot of people don't know that President Roosevelt never even shook his hand. They talk about Adolf yeah. Hitler not shaking his hand, but the President of the United States he never even acknowledged him. And he had tr- all kinds of trouble getting employment, and towards the end of his career he ended up racing horses for money on foot. Now, this is a story that needs to be told to all our young people, and uh, this what why I'm glad that those young people that were there were there to actually watch the movie and learn. You know, I, I really like the way they did that. You know, I'm talking about the teachers that had those kids there. Because, you know, a lot of times the kids... When young people and some older people too go out to the movies, they go out to clown and be heard and be seen and to text and take yeah. selfies. Yeah. yeah, I had a grown ass woman right behind us that wants to talk through the whole darn movie, and I just had to tell her. I said, "Listen, please, if these twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds can act like they got sense, why can't you with your old ass?" I told, she didn't appreciate that, but <laughs> they, uh, why are you you burning out things in the middle of the movie? Please don't do that. Because I hear people say, you know, they like, uh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I, was gonna say, I, imagine the, I imagine the teachers had to be kind of taken aback and appreciative when you approach them with the compliments also. Yeah, they, they appreciated it, but I have a feeling I'm not the only one that ever told them that. Because you can tell these okay. kids, were, I mean, you couldn't hear you couldn't hear a rat piss on cotton when that movie was on. Those children were enraptured by this movie. Now, the thing that I really wish that more of us had done was to go support that movie. It did a decent amount of business, but we have more black folks going to see stuff like this Batman versus Superman and all this other fantasy stuff. I know you got to have your escapism, but it's not like we don't have escapism 24-7. I mean, you got all this Netflix. you got escapism all over the place. What you don't have is history all over the place, educational history. We don't have that. I mean, we have it, but it's not exposed like that, and it's not pursued by most people, including adults. So that's basically all. You know what I want to say. 
about race. I just hope enough young people get to see that, or at least read up on read up on some of it. Because history, you know, I know it's boring to some people and whatnot, but history teaches us a lot about teaches us a lot about the present, and it teaches teaches us a lot about the future. Actually, if you really really get into it, I agree. I agree. Wow, man, this time has gone by pretty quick, man. Uh, it don't take we'll long, bro. Do it again. Yeah, don't. And especially when the conversation is good, there's no doubt about it. But I want, as we always do, uh, we give you a chance to uh, express yourself, make a closing statement, and just put whatever it is you want out there and the way you want to receive. And uh, we'll go into the next segment. So I'll give you the mic, and you got it. All I want to say is, right now in November, I know you've heard this before, but we have put ourselves in a position where we cannot afford to keep skipping voting. Some people say voting doesn't work, voting's not this, and voting's not that. But everything you do, everywhere you go, every service that you want, every, every job that you might get, all the education that you may ever get, if you end up getting locked up, if you end up being set free, if you end up going before a racist judge, if you end up going before a judge that understands your journey, all this is based on politics. We need to come out and make sure that we continue in the same direction we're going. I hear people say, well, well, there's no jobs in a black neighborhood. But know this. When Barack Obama took office, unemployment in the black neighborhoods was up around 18 to 19%. He has cut that more than in half. So that is some forward progress. I know it's not where it should be. But when I hear people say things like the president hasn't done anything for black people, I said, what the hell do you want, a messiah? He can create opportunity for you. But you have to take advantage of the opportunities yourself. So consider all this when you go when, when you go to the polls. Please get registered. I work as an election judge in, in the in the primaries, and I was really really encouraged by the number of pe- people I saw bring their teenage and their young people in with them. And I registered quite a few voters right there on the same day of you know, we got same day registration here in Illinois. Now, if you think your vote isn't worth much, consider this: there are now 33 states. Right now, that's over half the country, including 15 brand new ones this year, that have enacted voter suppression and voter ID laws that are basically trying to tamp down the vote in the black and brown communities. If they spend millions of dollars for your vote and you said it's not worth anything, you need to think about that. They're not spending million dollars, millions of dollars to stop you from voting for nothing. So do what you, you got to do, but get out here and get involved. Educate yourself. Don't believe everything you see on TV. Get out there and read some stuff. Read something and, and, and learn what's going on out here because it's all going to affect you. Now, I'll be dead in a few years. Hell, I'm pushing 70 now. But a lot of you younger people, you, you cannot continue to ignore this stuff because it's going to affect you way more than it affects us in my age bracket. That's all I have to say for right now, and I hope you all have a really, really good day. Well, Dan, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, like I say, much, much highest respects to you, man, because I, 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 I love, you know, even sometimes we get, we get a little tight in the debates, man, but I tell you, it, it's all for the better, and, uh, and I take it just, just to make me a, a stronger-thinking person, man. So I, I appreciate you, man, to keep on putting that information out. If anybody wants to connect with Dan and be a part and receiving this information, I, I would really highly suggest you do. Uh, uh, contact Brother Dan Lee on Facebook, and uh, Dan will befriend you. And uh, he, I'm sure, Brother Dan, you're more than happy to spread spread your information to as many people as you can. I love I love information, and I love sharing it. All I ask is that you share the information in return. 
Absolutely. Go out there and take care, and uh, I will talk to you soon, man. We'll be keeping in touch. Okay, man. I'm looking forward to your next guest. All right, Rita, I know Rosita's now. got All a right. lot to say. I know she's got a lot to say. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be right back with, with Rosita Sitana. Take care, Brother Dan. Peace. Okay. You all take it easy. All right. And I, Brother Dan Lee, uh, real, real good brother. I had a chance to meet Dan. Uh, matter of fact, I actually met Dan. And matter of fact, every host I have on the network, I actually met through Facebook. That's incredible. And uh, I, I, Brother Dan Lee, I've had the uh, honor of meeting Brother Dan Lee at, uh, to play for Diane Martin or somebody else's baby. That was about maybe two or three years ago. But I did get a chance to meet Dan, Brother Jimmy Williams, who's on Monday nights at uh, Real People from the Hood. We've been doing the show for two years. I've never met Jimmy yet. I have not met him, but, uh, but we will be meeting this coming Saturday because we'll be, I'll be there at uh, his uh, live one-man art show at Hamilton Park on 72nd, uh, I believe, in Stewart. Uh, this coming Saturday, I'll be there, and we'll talk more about that. And uh, we'll get Jimmy, Brother Jimmy, on to talk more about that today, and definitely tomorrow also before the show and put it out there. So hopefully, uh, everybody else can come on out and show him some love too. Uh, Rosita Shatanda, uh, I have yet to meet Rosita, but we talk. You, you think we know each other for years? Uh, this is myself and all the hosts. Uh, Medina Nance, uh, I have not met Medina. She's a natural health uh, consultant uh, that comes on once a month and talks about natural health remedies and uh, preventions. And uh, I, I did happen to run across Medina once at the uh, House of Dane at the uh, Jazz Club. That's a couple of years ago. We didn't even meet then, but I just happened to see her. So it just shows you the power of Facebook, man. It's because of Facebook uh, that I'm even doing this show. I uh, started out as a one-man show, and then I brought it, uh, turned it into a network, and I could not have selected better people to do the show. Brother Jesse Evans, who does the Paint Tech on Tuesdays, uh, I have yet to meet Jesse. And we've been doing the show for a while. Just, I'm telling you, uh, Brother Lemuel Chester, he's our uh, spiritual, does a spiritual show. Uh, the, 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 the theologist uh, comes on uh, once a month, and I have yet to meet a lamb. So I tell you, there's power in Facebook if you use it right. If you get something negative out of Facebook, it's chances are it's because you're putting something negative into it. Okay, that's enough of that rambling. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with uh, dynamic, super intelligent, super smart, Sister Rosina Shatanda, who's going to tell you all about what's going on, what's been going on with the Chicago Teachers Union and the public school system, and was going to give you some insight on what's coming up this coming Friday with this pending uh, Chicago Teachers Union strike. Okay, we'll be right back.
Hey, Chicago, for your next family reunion, call Jimmy Williams of Abstract T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunion expert since 1990, with photo T-Shirts and custom printing available. You can see samples of his work on the Internet. Search for JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. That's JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. One word. For families wanting reasonable prices, quality service, and good advice at making their family reunion a success, call Jimmy Williams from Abstracts T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunions should always be a happy occasion, and your T-Shirts should reflect that. Call Jimmy Williams at 773-690-5366. Your T-shirt man.
And we are back, and we're going to keep it moving. I uh, want to thanks again to uh, Brother Dan Lee. And uh, like I said, uh, Dan is always putting out some very enlightening and important information on Facebook. You connect friendship with Dan Lee just by connecting with Dan Lee. Add friend, he'll add you, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to keep it moving because this coming Friday, the Chicago Teachers Union is planning a strike. And there's just quite a bit more to simply they're planning a strike than what you're being uh, led to believe and understand through mainstream media. And uh, my, I only want to say yes because uh, I'll just say Rosita Satanda is the host of a Sunday show every other Sunday, uh, Teach for the Future, Cause, C-A-U-S-E. And she is very, very uh, knowledgeable and to the inside of what's going on in the Chicago Teachers Union and the Chicago Public Schools. Uh, every time she comes on, uh, I'm listening and I'm learning. And uh, she has uh, very important information that everybody needs to know. And we're going to keep on putting it out there until we get people to understand what's really going on. I want to welcome back to uh, my show, uh, Rosita Satanda. Rosita, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Hi, and I appreciate you asking me to come on. I um, I want to start off by saying that, you know, we had this one-day strike, and I, it's on April Fool's Day, you know, and so I call it an April Fool's Day strike. And um, I have no idea why, why they chose that day. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to send a signal to the people who are going on strike. But one of the things they're talking about they're trying to talk about class size and issues in terms of what's going on with the school's better working conditions. Now, years ago, that was something they could negotiate on within the confines of, you know, the negotiations. CPS and the CTU would get together and they would negotiate a contract. Well, what happened is that what they're asking for they cannot get because in 2010 when Karen took over, she signed a bill, and I've been talking about this bill. I wish these teachers and everyone would read the bill because in the bill it talks about allowing CPS to defund the pension. The teachers got the longer school day with no pay. They got the bad evaluation system that they're all complaining about. They got uh, their due process basically taken away. They lost their seniority in economic layoffs, and this is why this is important for this one-day strike. Because, first of all, they literally lost the right to strike as we know it. Uh, teachers used to be able to get 50% before this bill. That Now, all this is what the union signed on to in 2010. We, we had all this stuff. Teachers had all of this protection before Karen Lewis came in. And Karen decided on her own, without her House of Delegates, that she would go to Springfield and sign away all of this stuff. So what it did was it left her with no power to negotiate. The only thing she can ask for is money. 
she can't negotiate for class size and all of these things that they're saying, oh, well, I'm trying to negotiate for better uh, situations in the school. Well, you gave that away, and and, and CPS is not going to give it back. What she's literally trying to do is force CPS to give back some of the things they lost when they frivolously signed this crazy bill that they were warned not to sign. I was in the room with Karen with legislators that told her about this bill, how it was coming, what she needed to do, and she refused to listen to them. She marched down to Springfield. No one knew where she was. And the next thing we know, she signed a bill. And this bill has busted the union. Monique Davis, Representative Davis, came on and said, I'm not signing that bill. I'm an educator. That's a union-busting bill. So I went into the office and I said, did Karen just sign a union-busting bill? And they said, yes. And I said, well, what's going to happen from this point? Because what is happening is that everything that's being played out over the last five years is a result of the fact that teachers don't have any bargaining power. So then what can I do? I have to get in the street and force parents, force community force other people to fight for me because I didn't fight for myself. Karen should have had her first uh, protest before she signed the bill. We were all prepared to go. I'm like, look, I got on my shoes, my coat, let's go. I'm thinking we're going to get together, 30,000 members, we're going to Springfield, hacking now, we're not going to sign this bill. It didn't happen. By the time we figured out, Jonah Edelman says that she didn't even put up a fight. He was, he had raised money, the guy from Stand for Children that was promoting this. He said he was so shocked that there was no fight. Now, ask me why the fight begins after you've given up everything. Why would you want to fight in the street, bring 30,000 members out, knowing that you just signed away everything they had. That's what happened. And people keep saying it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up because that's what happened. Now it becomes, I'm going to give Rom everything he's asking for. And then, you know, if he says something, then I can go rom 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 to my members, and and then they will be against him, and then I could take his job. You see what I'm saying? You're talking about you're speaking, I, you're speaking of Karen Lewis when you say that. Yes, I'm th- you're the about Karen union Lewis, right. people. I have emails from them. The union people are not union people. They are socialists and communist organizers. That means that they have a position. It's not to defend teachers' rights. It's to organize the community for political change, to change the status quo. 
when they took over the union, they changed the union from a service union, which would provide services to teachers, just like they've always done. They changed it to an organizing union, meaning the teachers will now organize. They will go out in the street. We're not providing any services for them. They've lost their due process. We made it possible for the principals to literally fire them at will. They're at will employees now. Their seniority doesn't matter. Their tenure rights are being taken away because if seniority doesn't matter, then how does tenure matter? If a tenured teacher that's worked 25 years is in a position and the school has an economic layoff, the principal can lay her off without considering her seniority or his seniority. So the principal can say, in a fiscal emergency, all my top veterans have to go, and there's nothing that anybody can do about it. So what does that put your veterans in a position where we know that CPS is always hollering and screaming about a fiscal emergency. So that means that if, now I'm going to tell you, the union is telling teachers this, if you take off and won't go out and walk out of your job, we're going to kick you out the union, and then we're going to make you pay dues anyway. They better be glad I'm not in there because they would have an Illinois Labor Relations Board charge, and I would be talking to my attorney. If I don't want to walk out of my job, you're going to kick me out the union and make me pay union due? Are you, have you lost your mind? Or make me pay my fair share? This is the situation that they're putting teachers in to stand up and walk off of the only job you have. This is your livelihood. And we, CPS has already said, the strike is illegal. I was talking to a teacher. The word strike is putting the teachers in harm's way. They cannot strike. If they go out on strike, they've already been told by their employer that they have to have a medical ladder. If they go out on strike and they don't have that medical ladder, they could be terminated. Why would you at the union do this to your members? You're forcing them, because I tell you personally, they told me this, and I do not lie, that the teachers should be willing to give up their jobs for the union. They told me that. And I thought it was that I thought they had lost their minds. Why would you go get a job, go to college, work, and give it up for the union? The union is supposed to defend your job, not put you in jeopardy of losing it. So well, I let, just me, let me ask you. Uh huh. Let me let me ask you. I want to, I want to understand that you said if the teachers leave work on Friday and attend the strike, they risk being terminated. Yes. Claypool has already sent the principals a letter stating that they have to have a doctor's excuse and if they don't they're gonna they're gonna maybe not there's gonna be some retribution for 
going out on strike. You have to remember, according to Senate Bill 7, they must notify the union, must notify CPS six months in advance. Now, they gave notification of the strike, but they can't strike until May. They gave notification back in November, but it has to be six months notified, which is insane if you think about that. It's actually hilarious. I'm going on okay, strike, and I've got to tell you six months. Okay, <laughs> but, the are, but, they, but they're planning to strike anyway, regardless of that threat. They're still planning to attend the strike on Friday? Uh, I will tell you, a lot of teachers are very upset and and. I want to read to you just a little bit what one of them wrote, this teacher named Ken Kenjo. He said, many teachers that I work alongside would refuse to shut down, shut down downtown Friday evening. We see it as pointless and detrimental to our relationship with our fellow taxpayers. Yes, we pay taxes, too. The CTU has gone astray, especially with some of the organizations they are aligning with. Our last major rally was disgraceful with a lot of anti-cop rhetoric. I have resigned from the CTU, and I will be at work on April 1st. Now, this is the sentiment of me. The reason why they had to make that threat was so many teachers said, I'm not going to do it. And the reason why the teachers don't want to do it is because they didn't get anything from the last strike. They got railroaded before. And they're saying, like he says, it's pointless. What What is the one day going to do? And you agree that it is a pointless uh, move? That I agree to... that it's a move that has nothing to do with teachers, security, students, or parents. This is all about the political organizing machine at the Chicago Teachers Union. They must continue to have a reason to mobilize to run their political campaigns. And you have to understand, if I agree with Rahm Emanuel and there's peace, there's no way that I can convince the public to elect me next time or somebody I pick. You have to understand, it's not just Karen Lewis. It's a whole group of them that want to run for political office. So they have to keep this momentum and this fighting going on forever and ever until they get what they want, which is a position as a mayor, an alderman, a state legislator. That's what they're doing. It's always being organized. I have an email stating from Karen they were going to try to run for president. You think I'm kidding? I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> they were mobilizing for the presidential election back in 2008-2009 before Karen got oh. sick. They actually thought that, that one of them from that core team could run for president, and maybe mm. they will in the future. But the public has got to understand that these moves have nothing to do with getting anything for their children. They can't get anything for the teachers. And the other thing that the black community must understand is, you know, I am for jobs for black people who live in the community. 
I don't think it's necessary to bypass every intelligent black person to go outsource all the jobs to someone that doesn't know us, doesn't understand you, and that is what they have. That's why you got, if you look at the pictures of the young people hollering and screaming, these are 80, almost 80% of the teachers are non-African American now. And 9% of the students are white. You've got a minority, they're, they're the Hispanic population and the black population comprises almost 90% of the students. But yet and still, with the African American and Latino, they only comprise about 30-some percent of the teachers. But you got 90% of the students. So basically what's happening as we fight these fights, what should our agenda be in our community? Should we be fighting with CTU, who only has 20% of their teachers of African-American descent, or is our fight to make sure that we fight for the jobs? You've got. 10,000 certified African-American teachers whose jobs have been taken. And these are the people that have replaced them, the people hooping and hollering in the street. We need to make demands that our teachers return to the classroom and let Claypool fire them all if he has to. We need those jobs back. We need our teachers to come back in the classroom, people that live in our community, that provide the economic base for the communities we live in. They shop in the stores that the children shop in. They buy their cars down the street. We have to get out of this where we're constantly telling people, come on in, take my job, take everything out of the cupboards. Black people have got to wake up and stop doing this crazy stuff. It's literally insane. Pardon me? I was going to say, is a, is a recommendation this Friday is, is that teachers do not attend this? This, this is a Karen Lewis-sponsored march, is that correct? That's right. It's, it's Karen Lewis. But look, I, if I would tell every African-American, I would tell every teacher, but I speak to the African American community, and I, I, you know, it's it's our job to see what's best. If you think about right. it, if you go out on a strike, you got to get a medical letter. You gotta, and and you might appear on TV now while you got your medical letter talking about you sick, <laughs> and then they catch you yeah, on camera yeah. out there, and you're in trouble. They have to hmm. get a let, medical letter to be excused. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to uh, put your livelihood in jeopardy? These people well, so are going to have jobs, and you won't. All, all I've heard is that uh, about what's going to be taken if the teachers attend, but I haven't heard anything about as far as what what's in it for. Let's say what's in it for the black teachers. What's in it for the teachers? Uh, you already said that it's been negotiated to where there's not really much they can do for the teachers. It's all for pretty much political expediency. So yes, there's nothing in it. And and to me, what what's really the last strike they had, 
I went to the House of Delegates with my flyers religiously, trying to explain to primarily the black teachers that they were going to get be fired. I didn't know how they were going to fire them, but they as soon as they came off strike, they closed 50 schools. The reason why I knew that they had to be fired was because in order for CP, CTU to get everything they wanted with financial concessions, the board didn't have the money, so they had to take it from somewhere. Since the schools on the south and west side were underutilized, which they were due to the fact that Mayor Daly had come in and purged the system of African Americans, we lost 100,000 students, so we didn't have the numbers to keep our schools open. When when they went on strike demanding, give me this, so, so CPS said, where do I get it from? I have to close these schools to give you what you want. And teachers are not understanding that. They had to close down the schools on the south and west side to meet the concessions and the money that the union is asking them for. So that means all these teachers on the south and west side lose their jobs. Now, when they get out of this strike situation, it's a strike. And you have to ask yourself, I know this. I've read the bill. I know they know this. Why would you use the word strike? It's in the paper. It's a strike. I've heard them say it's a strike. It was supposed to be a day of action, a strike they cannot do. They cannot call this a strike. When they call it a strike, they're putting teachers' job on the line. Why would you even allow that word to come out of your mouth? Why? If you knew that teachers... And and that's and that's the question. I mean, do you do you think this is a, a, an, an intentional ploy for to, to oust uh, particular teachers here, which is why they're well, doing it that way? Yeah. It's like a trickery. I, personally, here? I do, I do. I think it happened before. It's happened. I've watched it happen five or six times. Where and the teachers that all got ousted were the veterans on the south and west side. And you have to remember, I keep telling these black teachers, you all didn't vote for Karen Lewis when she got in. She did not carry these black schools, and Karen wants to stay. And now they're on board with her, but in the beginning, the black teachers were not. She's trying to get you guys out of there so they can stay in office. Core is. They They don't want all these people voting against them. You know, they're trying to set it up where that's why you don't have anybody to run against them. They've ousted every activist black teacher we had. We we were going to run someone in the election, but everybody is gone. Anybody that possessed any kind of leadership qualities, they destroyed them. They destroyed their careers. The union did. So they would not be available to run against Karen. Karen used to tell me this on a daily basis. People say you want to run against me. So that becomes we got to get rid of you. So um, we don't really have, I think there's one caucus running against them, and we have our work cut out, but it's time to reelect new leadership. 
It's time. What? We cannot continue to do this. Where, where are we headed here? I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing. I mean, it's, 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 are we are we in a bottomless pit? Do you see a small dot of light? I mean, what can happen? What needs to be done? What, I mean, do, do you see? Well, first of all, we it doesn't need seem to be headed in a good core. direction. We need mm-hmm. to get rid of core. The teachers have to vote them out of office, and you have to put someone in there that that um, that is con- really. Uh, concerned about doing more than running for political office. You need a real union leader, someone that's going to go in there and take care of their membership, Uh, not someone that's going to grab a million dollars and sink it into some political campaign and not help the members that are paying into it. They don't help their members. They Is that the teachers voting or the delegates? Uh, representing the teachers voting. The teachers all vote, and let's talk about the delegates because the delegates, when you hear them say 80% of the teachers want, usually they're not telling the truth. That's 80% of the delegates. What happens is that a delegate, like we had at Boucher School uh, in Chicago, we had a delegate, and she was going around telling the her teachers that, if they didn't agree with Karen, she didn't care because she was going to go with whatever Karen said do. So if they didn't want to go out on strike, it was too bad. So she would go there, even though her members voted against something, she would go there and say, oh, they're for it. So I want, let's be clear on the teachers and the delegates. Because the delegates are like, you know, we send someone to city council. Every school has a delegate that's supposed to represent the teacher's interest. They don't always do that, as you see with the city council. These delegates don't always represent the teacher's best interest. They'll go in and they will represent Karen and then sell their members out. If you survey the schools and ask the actual teachers, most of them are saying, we don't want to go on strike. But then the delegate will tell them, well, I'm going to the House of Delegates and I'm going to do whatever Karen says too. So they vote them out. And then they stand up and say 80. I'm surprised they said 80%, but that might be a, you know, a sad no. Uh, because that might be a, a, a representative of the teachers who are waking up, and a lot of the soft side teachers. I haven't talked to a lot of teachers on the west side, but I've been in these schools on the south side, and I've talked to people, and they are not interested in walking off of their jobs. And you have to understand, uh, parents, and our students, we live in a very violent city. We cannot afford to have any students unsupervised for one day, one half a day, one hour in this violent city. Kids need to be in school. And teachers, most teachers do don't do not want, I will tell you, Teachers do not like leaving their classrooms. It's like a mother being at home doesn't want to leave her house. 
teachers do not, that's the last thing a teacher wants to be sitting down somewhere else. 99% of teachers want to be in that classroom with their students. They're very attached to those kids. And, you know, this is not, and I get angry because it misrepresents what our teachers are about. Our teachers are not that interested. Pardon me? They're talking about striking for one day. I mean, what what do how do they figure to have anything accomplished by by doing this this way? I, I don't get it. I mean, it, it's a publicity stunt. I keep saying it. it, yeah, it they're they're yeah, not going to get. They're not like you. Got to have a paradigm shift in how you're looking at this. This has nothing to do with getting anything for teachers. This is all about them. They're in the news. They want to be relevant. They can show everybody I got all these teachers. I can make them leave their jobs, and if they don't leave, that you know, they just it's a show of power, of strength. Now, what do so I get? I get something. Teachers get nothing. So, so, they get something. So, so there's a there's a, a repercussion if they leave their job, and if they and if they don't leave their job, they they have an issue on the other side. So they were in like yes. a lose lose situation. Yes, it's putting teachers in harm's wow. way, and that is the last thing the union should do, is to force their teachers into a position where they could possibly lose their livelihood. Uh, but I, I tell teachers this, if you don't want to participate, don't. And if they try to make you, if they try to make you pay union dues, you need to file a charge with the Illinois Labor Relations Board. If any teacher is out there and they end up having to pay union dues uh, because they were pulled off of their job, it is time for them to do something and stand up for their rights. So they actually need to uh, contact the Illinois Labor Relations Board, and a group of them need to get together and file some kind of action to say we should not have to pay dues if you kick me out the union. Because what the union is saying, if you don't pay this, we can kick you out. And you'll still have to pay your dues, according to something that they say uh, happened in 1971. There's some kind of action that was passed, and it's legal for them to do that. That's what they're saying. But those are things that need to be revisited. But I'm telling you, in the African-American community, be wise. Don't sacrifice your livelihood. It isn't worth it. Talk to many of our teachers who have worked with the union, and I can give you a whole boatload. And if we talk about that, uh, that letter that there was a letter that the CTU employees wrote, and uh, they list, if you go down that list, and I've shared that letter with African Americans that the union has used and fired and ruin their careers. And it's a boatload full of them. It isn't one or two. And they continue to uh, attack, malign, and uh, 
particularly African-American teachers. They don't seem to have a problem with the Hispanics, but they seem to have a real disdain for African-American teachers at that union. And I think that matters. So, and African-American employees, even the clerks, uh, will, will, you know, that I think that letter states so much. Uh, Keith, do you remember it? I, I read the letter. I, I have it actually okay. have it on the computer here. It actually reminded me of uh, corporate America when I was working at the banks, the uh, same type of crap that they're doing. Uh, the thing is, I learned these things from, from talking with you. And it's it's like this is going on right right in the face of, of people, but it's, are they just accepting it or just figuring they can't win or is anybody? I, well, I mean, as I told you before, it's very difficult to mobilize against these people when you have no resources. Yes. And uh, they have uh, $31 million to play with. And are, are, they're paying off all the black media. So you you can't go to the black media, and the only one that's really been in our corner is Philip Jackson here. Um, you can't get the black media because they've all been given a little salary. <laughs> you know, all these people who are standing, do you know that all those organizations that are coming out to support them are on their payroll? I mean, this is about... <laughs> These people are getting a lot of money for this. So all these organizations that are coming out and supporting CTU, you think they're doing it just because they like them? They're on the payroll. Well, what is the platform so that the teacher union is like that? Well, what is the platform that the union is using to entice people to come out? I mean, of course, it's probably not what the real intention is, but what are they leading people to understand is their motive? Well, they're paying them. Some of these people, their organizations are getting 500000 and a million dollars. And you have to so, remember I mean, what, that it's not only the so, I mean, PTU, what, uh, it's the AFT the American Federation of Teachers, that's paying them too. And um, in addition to that, um, you have the AFT, the IFT, which is the Illinois. So Chicago Teachers Union is just the local branch. Uh, They're getting paid, a lot of these organizers, from the AFT as well, which is they have much more money. So if you look at a person, say Operation Push, who's pro- I think they're on their payroll, and you see Reverend Jackson with them, he may have gotten 500000 or or um, maybe even more than that just to do what they're doing. Action Now, Coco, all those people are on their payroll. So that's what, enough what to entice me. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, what what are they what are they telling the people though? The teachers that they'd like for them to uh, to leave and join them. What 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 motivation are they giving them to even do that? I mean, what? what are well, they, because I, that's wh- their union. You know, the just just the fact that it's the union. Teachers well, are, are really. They say, I, didn't I mean, are they telling them look? Are they telling them look? You come, you join us, and you'll get this, and this will be better for you, and. You'll benefit in this way or that way. Are they giving them any type of information like that? 
Um, they're trying, but the teachers did go out. Now, you know they went out, and they got nothing. So <laughs> they're not really buying it like that. You know, they thought the first strike they thought was legit. But after that first strike and they saw the conditions they were working in, the teachers, they were, you know, they weren't convinced anymore. Yeah, they, you, 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 it's kind of the fact that it's just the union. A lot of people will say, I'm just a union person, so whatever the union says, I do. No, usually, usually with the union, they'll say, uh, you know, you may have an auto worker strike because they want more safe working conditions. They want, you know, they want something in particular. This, this is the reason why we're striking. We, we want, uh, uh, we want uh, better health care. We want uh, extended leave for uh, a, a new member of the family, a pregnant wife, and so forth, something like that. So that's why I was wondering. Uh, if, I mean, well, what, they're trying what, to but, get back what they lost before which I don't think is going to happen. They lost a lot when they gave up that stuff with Senate Bill 7. I heard one of them say, ask, well, what are we trying to do? And they said, get back some of what we lost. Okay. So they lost a lot. They lost a lot of rights. They don't have the negotiating power anymore. So they really are at CPS's mercy. And I think that they felt that if they could take Rom's job, that would be the answer. But it didn't work. You know. Well, it, this is this is. If anybody, if anybody wants to call in, the number is seven one eight six six four nine five one three seven one eight six six four nine five one three. I do see some callers uh, listening in. We appreciate you listening. If you did want to join in, just press. Number one on your keypad, and we'll get you right in, and you can make your uh, comment or say what you, whatever it is you want to say. So this is, uh, yeah, we, mm-hmm. and we and we do have a caller. We'll, we'll go ahead and maybe that was a magic okay. word. Uh, we'll get a caller in here. Uh, the last four digits is six six four three. Caller, are you with us? Yes, uh-huh. I am. Yeah, I'm calling about. Hi, how are you? Um, Great. I'm just waiting to see the outcome of this uh, so-called one-day strike. I've been talking to people, and the uh, and the rank and file seem to be divided on it. And my friend today said that they were the union was sending uh, people out to really talk to the teachers, you know, to try to make sure that everybody was on board. Because the way I see it, this is going to be a telltale sign as to how. Claypool and Rahm Emanuel are going to handle the uh, the uh, contract negotiations because if people cross that picket line, they're going to already know that we are a divided union and we are not united. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how Friday unfolds because now that Karen done put that uh, sort of like thread out there that if you cross the picket line that they're going to kick you out of the union you know and then with the um, with the decision that came down with the Illinois Supreme Court that uh, even if you're not a union member that you still have to pay your fair share 
So a lot of people, you know, even if they elect not to be a part of the union, they still got to pay their fair share. So, you know, it's it's just a crazy wow. position to be in. Right. So it is. So do uh, you think uh, you? that? Mm-hmm. No, go right do ahead. Do you think go right ahead. there's anything to gain for teachers? Well, at this point, I feel that we got to build that union back up from the uh, from the bottom up. She gave away so much with that Senate Bill 7. And I just think all this stuff is to camouflage what they did. Right. I and most teachers And most teachers now know that we lost a lot. They know their working conditions were worse than, with, than before Karen came. And even though, yeah, everybody is owning up to the fact that the state is, like, uh, hurting for money, our working conditions was never this horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, and they piling, piling more and more on teachers to do with less and less resources. I, so you know, I it's, personally it's, feel that if teachers were to vote them out of office, I think that they would be better off. I think that CPS would be... You know, it's all. I, let me give you the example. When Karen and them were elected, because Marilyn Stewart would always negotiate, and something would happen with the mayor. But when Karen and them came in, they said they weren't making any concessions. So what happened was because they refused to make concessions, the mayor daily came in. And the first week Karen was elected, he fired 1,359 coaches who were, you know, they were math teachers, reading specialists. He said they weren't teachers. And he got away with it. And he just fired them and retaliated. He said, you you won't negotiate, I'll show you what I can do. And I think that's been the spirit since Karen them got elected in 2010. It's a war zone. You won't do what I say, and we're gonna, teachers are going to pay. I think if teachers wake up and vote in anybody, like they were talking about anybody but Rom, anybody but Core, I think that they would do themselves a favor. I think that they would the CPS, because you got to remember this, CPS is their employer. The union is not your employer. I hire you people, and then you won't do anything I say. Somebody that you pay dues to tells you what to do, and you're all out in the street. You know, personally, just from a moral standpoint, is that really fair? I'm out in the street CPS has got to get to the point where they do things the right way, and the community has to force that. The parents have to force that. We have to force CPS to do right so that you don't have this conflict. If CPS is doing right by their members, then the union won't be able to pull this crap. Yeah. Do you want to get the last word in? Well, I don't know. It's it's just so horrible, and I don't think that 
we have anything to gain by going out. To me, it's it's it's, it's to me it's useless to go out at this point. If you're gonna go out on a strike, we should have just went out on a strike, not no one day. Yeah, Rounder yeah. has already said he could care less about, you know, teachers or that's not gonna make him come up with a budget. <laughs> and and they're sure claiming is. that's what they're claiming that's what this one day is for, is to draw attention to uh him holding the money hostage that should be for the school. They're exactly. claiming that's what this one day work stoppage is supposed to address. And he's already shown us that, oh, so many uncertain terms. It's his way or the highway. Right. You you're know? not going to get that. And you're not going to get what you gave up back. This door's open. It's just time I know. to get new leadership. I really believe that. And you, I had even went to one of their meetings, and they were, like, almost gloating that, well, we don't have anybody running against us, so... You know, they feel like they can do whatever they want, and they are doing whatever they want. And it's well, not, you know, it's not even about building wise. the union back up. We got to get some top-notch uh, negotiators or people that know how to work with other people mm-hmm. and try to at least try to get some of the things back for the teachers. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that you have to get a new leadership team. At this point, the re- Rahm is going to be the mayor for the next three years. So if teachers were smart, they would use this opportunity to get a new leadership team in there before that entire union is eroded. That's well, it's I- well on its way to being eroded. And so, and and with this strike, when Claypool finishes with them, they will not have anything left. You see what he did over there at CTA? He destroyed that union, and they're just not being wise. So, well, uh, I talked to a lot of people that you know they they're not for the strike, but the thing is, they feel like they caught between a rock and a hard place that they have to go out in order to show unity because they don't want to send the message to uh, Claypool and Rahm Emanuel that we're not united. Well, so it's just, they so, feel so like, like exactly I'm a part of this union. It sounds like that's exactly the message that they're going to get. That's what it sounds like. Right, right. Because they're, they're, they're saying, I'm a part of this union, and I just got to do whatever, whatever the union says do, but... I'm I'm gonna be watching what happens come Friday. Well, I am too, and thank you so much for calling in, Pam. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate uh, okay. you calling your input. Uh-huh. Take care. Peace. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay. Do we very have any interesting. other? Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, any, if anybody else wants to chime in, just press the, press one on your keypad. We'll get you right in. Those of you who are listening, we appreciate appreciate you listening. But that's very interesting. Uh, she is a verification of everything that you were saying. Uh, yeah, uh, and she's in place. the school, and she's talking to teachers and getting, like, I'm in the schools, and I'm talking to teachers, and I know that they don't want this, but they feel like, what do I do? 
you know, I have to, I'm being forced to do something that could cost me my job. You can't win in this situation. And they really do need to think about new union leadership. That's the only answer. We do have another really caller. Uh, we do have another caller, and uh, this is this is um, a brother here from uh, Monday Nights, Real People from the Hood. He's got a one-man show coming up on this Saturday that we'll talk about. Uh, brother Jimmy Williams, how you doing, man? Thanks for calling. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my mistake. Let me take all that back. Uh, call the last four digits. <laughs> eight three seven eight. Are you with us? How you doing? Thanks for calling in. That's my mistake. Thank you. Oh, I just wanted to add. Um, I don't think anything's going to be accomplished from this. Um, but I do think teachers, uh, specifically African American teachers, will pay for it later. Um, I do believe that we are already paying for it, actually. What goes on in our schools is that they send uh, Ron has a group of people, network people, and all these other people come into the schools to intimidate, to, to monitor, to, you know, just watch who's doing what, who's saying what, who's outspoken, who's this, just to keep you in line. I mean, you don't fall into place then they give you a bad rating or whatever it is that they do. So we're constantly under attack already. And we don't get any assistance uh, to fight against that. These people come in, say and do, and whatever uh, program they want to initiate or they want you to do, that's what you better do. Um, So this is another thing we're facing. So I don't know what the one-day strike is going to do. Because this is ongoing after the last strike we went on. They come in, replace your administrators, replace whoever. And and, and that's what's happening right now. It's a sad situation. We won't put any discipline in the schools. The schools are chaotic. Um, teachers are dealing with being threatened, being all kinds of stuff. You're written up and they criminalize the teacher, making them out to be the bad guys. We're beating up children. We're doing this. But the children face no consequences, nor do the parents. And so now we're just trying to survive in a, exactly. a, a position that the board has put us in. And now CTU. Yeah. Do you think so? Uh, so you don't. So you see this pretty much as just a front, and just to cover up uh, the, the the dirt that's already been done. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's 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 people really don't know what is really happening in school buildings where these children are attending, and the dogs on the south side and west side, they're being bullied by the administrators, the network chief. I mean, it's just all kind of shenanigans going on. And those are wrong people. When they're going to come in and, and do whatever, write you up on charges, give you a bad evaluation, that's what's going to happen. So, Well, what you say that there were two to, kinds of school, and see, what I'm hearing and what I've witnessed is that on the south and west side, especially later, uh, the administrators, because 44% of the principals are African-American, so that means that even though to only 22% of the teachers are. So a lot of times these very brutal and 
nasty, really. You know, it's like being on the plantation and the plantation boss comes out with the whip. That's how they act. That's how the administrators, only in the black community. Now, when you get up north, well, you know, we're professionals. But when you come in our schools, especially on the south side, you're going to find very ignorant administrators filled with self-hate. They're after all the black people. You know, they're not, if you've got white teachers in the, they, you generally don't bother them. They have to be pretty awful for them to go after them or they have to really do something. But, you know, it's like two different worlds. Would you, would you agree with that? Um, absolutely, but I'm going to say this. You know, I've predominantly worked on the South Side all my career, and what I'm noticing is that it is, Ten times worse than when I initially started out. So, and I'm going to tell you, I've been in for a little while, over 20 years, and it's like, it's so disrespectful. It's the morale of the teachers is it's just horrible. Um, and they're not trying to improve it. They actually are trying to force you out of there. And so, and that's what people are doing. They're just leaving, period. It's, wow. it's an impossible situation. I know I've been there, and it's, you feel like you're being chased by a lion almost. And it's very difficult to stay focused to do your job. You don't have time because they are putting all these demands, all this paperwork on you, and you're just sitting there, well, when do I get to teach the kids? You they don't. steal all don't. the opportunity away from the children they busy the teachers up with paperwork all day. Well, the and that paperwork is to justify their jobs. That's it, because all the foolishness they have you doing is not improving the students. Matter of fact, they'd like for you to just focus on math and reading. Forget about science and social studies the whole day. Oh, they don't. Test. The new thing is don't teach them. Uh, when I went to Mississippi, I was called into the office and told, I, I mean, the principal, I thought it was the craziest thing, looked at me and said, I heard she was teaching social studies and science. And I'm looking at her like, yes, we're supposed to teach reading, math, social studies, and science. Uh, we don't teach reading. We only teach reading and math. We're in competition with schools all over this district for reading and math. We're not tested in social studies or science. But yet and still, I have to administer a test to a child who doesn't know what an equator is, doesn't know where the North Pole is, doesn't know what the hemisphere is. I'm going to give you a standardized test without any instruction, and I have to give you an F. Because you don't know, because nobody's ever taught you. Insanity. This is what, and then I say, well, what should I put down for their grades then? Make up something. I'm not going to make up a grade and put it on this report card. Are you losing your mind? But this is what you're up against. Well, that's what you're up against. What the really crazy thing is is that in so many words they tell you to stop giving D's and F's and 
and and basically telling you not to fail the children, but they're they supposed to be prepared for a standardized test, and so everybody gets to escape the blame except for the teacher. The teacher is blamed for the teacher is blamed for the children not doing well on the standardized test in their evaluation. So after the networks and all the principals tell you don't fail these students, don't do this, don't teach them that, or teach it this way and that way, who who's the fall guy? The teacher is blamed for the student's failure. Now that's the irony of all of this. It's, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And they come in and tell you, I'll give you a script, how you should teach math, how you should teach reading. I mean, like everything is fit into this little simple box. It's just so ridiculous. And, and, and also about the time you. clock. I've had them come in and say it's 9.02. And you're teaching? Uh, you're supposed to be teaching this. Or it's this this subject is over. We have you teaching this at 9.02. And if somebody doesn't get it, you stop immediately at that time. And that's how the new wow. system works. And, yeah, but what, getting back to the strike, the one-day strike, um, the, I call it the April Fool's Day strike because, you know, somebody's being fooled here, <laughs> you know. And um, what... What do you think uh, your the teachers at your school? What are they saying? Well, are, I mean, are they in support of it? Well, some of them are, some of them aren't, and some of them won't even tell you because they're too scared to tell you what you're going to do or whatever. And so, who knows? They may may not show up. Who knows? So, um, but you know, that's up to them entirely. Whatever. But my feeling is it's a waste of time. It's hopeless to be done, as you said. And um, I don't see any good coming out of it for any of us, the teachers. Of course, we'll be feeling the brunt of it uh, at one some point or another. Because you will, you will have to make up the day, won't you? Pardon me? You're not getting paid for it, and then you probably may have to make it up too. Well, well, they're saying no um, because they're still threatening to strike in May. So I don't know. I don't know what any of it's going to gain. Like you said, um, I was very disappointed after 2010. I mean, after um, the strike, uh, the first strike, excuse me, and. Um, and we lost everything. I mean, we just lost everything. And it's even worse than the school buildings now. It's not even improved. The paperwork increased, the time increased, the day increased, everything increased, and no, and your salary is less. So, you know, I don't even know what. And this is that. why it's important to have a leadership team in that will make some kind of concessions because every time they do this, they just fire up a boatload of teachers. And well, then I think the union people that. are sitting down there with their jobs. 
Well, see, people who, see, they have to get rid of the veterans because we know what it used to be like. So if you're new, man, you think you're, you know, you have something happening that's all right and wonderful. But see, once you do, they have to get rid of you because you know what it used to be like. And you can't talk about what it used to be like. So that is the issue. Right. Yeah, they want the veterans gone. Anybody that has any historical memory. So, I mean, they're encouraging the system, and so that's what, exactly what they're doing. Um, and so then you can't, you don't have anybody saying, oh, yeah, we used to have, oh, yeah. You know, it's just all these new young people who who just happy that they can get a decent salary and, you know, they can go and chant in the street or whatever. I don't know. Um, but they don't stay. It's just a stepping stone for them, most of them. They get their loans yeah, paid off. It's okay because they don't plan to stay in the field anyway. They're just there to hoop and holler and tear up everything. Uh, and then they leave, and then you're stuck. Because, see, I notice that when the young white teachers come in, they have other options. You know, they can go, first of all, they can go to their own neighborhood and teach where you can. And if they mess up here, they can go to the suburbs. They don't, they can go out to um, other places. For the African-American teacher, when they're out, that's basically it. That's the end of your career, unless you go to another state. So that's all what we're dealing with. Um and it's it's extremely difficult to stay afloat. And then it becomes such an environment where you don't even want to do it anymore. I mean, it Carla, did you want to get a last did you want to, did you want, did you want to make a last comment? Um that's basically it. I just want to, you know, the the situation in our schools are a pretty bad. And so, um and it's just getting worse, and people really don't know about it. We're not respected. Um, especially the veteran teachers. We're just not respected. We know what we're doing. We, you know, they come in and tell you what to do, um, how to do it, how to say it. It's just all just ridiculous. The and and are these are mean. people that don't have any teaching experience for the most part. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a situation, yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for calling. Appreciate it. everything. Thank yes, you. thank you, and hopefully we hope it gets better. <laughs> Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Thank you. Well, Rosie, let me let me ask you this: you, you were talking about curriculum. You were talking about in Mississippi how they were saying, "Well, we teach this and that because we're gonna we don't be tested on that. We're trying to compete compete here and there." And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking. You know, when you, when you say curriculum, the first thing I think about is is what the curriculum lacks in the public schools with the with the mental illnesses and mental health problems that obviously our youth have been programmed to uh, embrace. Do you know of any are any schools offering uh, conflict resolution, anger management, and uh, critical thinking in any of their school curriculums that you are aware yeah, there of? Are, there are some schools, but you have to understand uh, that now since everybody is on track for just testing, 
there used to be all kind of programs that they had, you know, uh, to teach morality, character development, but a lot of times they don't have, you know, once you're you're just on track to see if you can pass a test, that's all you do all day long is prepare for the test. When you finish with that test, you got to prepare for the next one. These are tests that are coming in on weekly and monthly basis. It's, is you're always testing mode, and they're failing so, the season. That's that's a problem because they're not they're not teaching them to, to pass the test of life. You know they're failing life, but they can learn a little arithmetic, and it, it's it's associated. Well, really I don't know if they want them to have the higher order thinking skills because then uh, you know that's more information that they would have. Um, they the social studies and science in our community it almost seems like they think it's a luxury or something that they can kids can do without it and a lot of the administrators are in their late 20s and 30s believe it or not and they they want on the south and they want the children to come in and teach the very young principles, and they are, you could imagine, uh, because they've been pumped up by CPS to go in and you can do this, and, you, you know, you could do whatever you want. I heard one of them say, they told me I could do whatever I want. And so you can, and they do, they allow them to just jerk veteran teachers around, mistreat them, and I tell teachers, and what we do at cause, we show teachers how to fight back, because, you know, we, you know, and I tell everybody, if you want to know how to fight back, then you need to contact us, because I will tell you and several other people that we save jobs and we walk out standing up, and if you mess with us, we're either going to go home. Uh, with pay, or we're going to sue you, or we're going to do the appropriate things to get you, and, and because you must pay for what you do, and you teachers should not have to deal with all this kind of abuse by these twenty-eight and twenty-nine-year-old little kids that are running around, jerking you around, writing you up. And I, you know, I tell people I'm not the one. You know, you know, if you want to get your pencil out, I work too hard and too long, and I know too much to let you steamroll over me. I got a couple of years I want to work, and if I have to take you with me, I will. Because the way that they treat you, they treat you like a second-class yeah. citizen. And you this heard that. Yeah, this is why I say that uh, the state of us has, has been produced, directed, and it, it's been designed. This is not by accident. It, it just happened by chance. This is the way it, it's yeah. planned to be. And, and this is just one of the ways and that they it, carry it, it out. And it is a straight-up plantation on the south. I know on the south side. I worked on the west side, but I know what you have is these snooty children that they've hired and they're just insane, and they come in like they're plantation bosses. And um, this is why I tell veteran teachers, if you allow it, 
they will do it if you allow it. They will uh, they will come in, they will jerk you around, they'll take your job and everything else if you allow. The key is to mobilize and organize teachers. Uh, the union, now this is what the union should be doing. They should be, but they, they're not doing any of this. You hear the teachers, they're not getting help from the union because the union wants them to organize so they can run their political campaigns. That's all they're interested. Teachers are in the classroom catching all kind of hell, and there's nowhere to go. They can get no help. And we have intervened with several teachers, and um, we have saved their jobs. We showed them how to navigate the system so that they can retire stay in until they can retire. They're all kind of things because they go after veterans. They, I've heard, I heard principals tell me, um, they told me that they had gotten notification from CPS to go after anyone who has 17 years or more and who made a certain salary. So if you're in that building, when they go to these meetings, they're telling them, and I encourage any teacher that's listening, uh, here are the steps. Anything that you see them doing, you start documentation, uh, you set up you a file, and you call you an attorney, not a union attorney. You have an attorney on and be ready for them because they will take everything you have. They will lie on you. So get ready for them early. Don't wait till they come for you. Be prepared when they do. Just assume that if you have so many years of service, they're going to get you that's because that's saying. what it's about. That's what they're And it, it's sad. That's, that's, it's sad. They, that's just a given. That's just a given. Yeah. Pardon me? Go ahead. No, Shannon, you're saying that's just a given. If you have ex- yeah. You have X amount of years of service. Just, just expect. Just sit back and wait for it and get ready because it's gonna happen. That's yeah. what you're it's gonna, it's gonna happen unless, unless the principal is your cousin or your sister. Uh, they're yeah. coming yeah. for you. You have to have some level of protection, and and even then you don't know. But I guarantee you, if you're black and you got any years of service. The other thing, I have a girlfriend that we're going to have on our show, I think not this time because she wrote a book. Oh, you've got to hear this tell-all book. This teacher, eight years ago, they fired her. And, And listen to this. She worked at the Cook County Jail School. She was terminated over an incident where she, she was nationally board certified had won all kind of awards of excellence for teaching. But, of course, when they started privatizing school, uh, there, was, you, there was nothing you could do. Anything you did right was considered n- nothing. So she had all these awards, had gotten award letter from the mayor and just all kind of outstanding performance awards. So... She went to work one day, and they it was something about she went out to lunch and got some ribs, and she was eating, and one of the students wanted some of her ribs. 
and they said that she was taunting the student because she waved the rib back and forth. And somehow, see, this is what they do. They take little things like that and try to build a case, and they terminated her for that and took her job and took her. But she hired three attorneys and sued them all. And then she went to court, and she sued CPS and won. And she wrote a book about all she names names. And when you read this book, you're not going to believe the level of dirt. The le- I know I've been through it. So I know what she's saying is true. And What's the name of this book? They, they literally go after you like it's something that you've never seen before. I don't know, and I'm going to wait. Okay. She, it's going, it hasn't been released. It's, she's doing a book signing oh, okay. in two okay. weeks. So two okay. weeks we're going to have her on, and, and it's, it's okay. supposed, I'm just waiting because she's naming all the people that are in my case, so I'm very excited. And, and, um, and I'm so happy for her that she was, it took an incredible amount of strength to do it, to file her own case and to win it because they have everything sold up and she had to be very, this is a smart, smart teacher, and she had to, they had to do everything, and she did it, and she won. So if people would not realize the level of corruption that's at the law department at CPS, I mean, totally corrupt. And, um, I look forward to having her on. Look forward to having you on your show. Uh, or on, uh, are you coming on this Sunday? Yes, yes. Because okay. we're going to all, and I do want to make an announcement. Any cause members, I think we should be at that protest. And if we have our cause people bring your cameras, uh, we need to actually be down there and see what's going on. And 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 just really enjoy, um, you know, enjoy the protests and see what the union is doing, and then hold them accountable. Hold them accountable for what they're doing, and if they do anything as far as taking your money and kicking you out, if you don't want to go, then call me. Because we'll, you know, I'll show you how to file a labor relations charge, and we can get some teachers. Uh, we got teachers that represent themselves, as I just told you, and will show you how to do it yourself. You might not even need an attorney. So let's let's uh, let's fight back. You got two people. You got CPS and you got CTU, and then you're in the middle. So you got, and that's where cause comes in. We're in the middle. We advocate for our members. We're we're like the everyday teacher, <laughs> you know, everyday teacher. We're not a part of the status quo. We're not a part of the union agenda. We're not a part of what CPS is cramming down our throats. These are teachers that want to be in their classrooms teaching without all okay, the. Okay, so they will. There, there will be a protest taking place somewhere uh, this weekend, Friday or Saturday, you say? Oh, at 4.30 at the Thompson Center, the CTU is having um, their protest okay. on April Fool's okay. Day, April 1st. 
Okay. Okay. No, I, I thought there was something else going on, like a counter, uh, a counteraction to to counter that. I, oh, that's oh, what we I was would, we. You know what? We want to. We're working on that because we have some people that just notified me that they were going to be in town, <laughs> and so I'm still working to put that together. So, um, okay. If there's anybody who's listening, we'll contact you. You can always reach me on Facebook. It's Rosita Chatanda, and that's R-O-S-I-T-A. The last name is C-H-A-T-O-N-D-A. And uh, you can inbox me there and let me know if you're interested in doing anything. And uh, we'll 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 just take it from there because we're going to be organizing something over the weekend. It's kind of last minute, but I'm waiting to hear back right. from a few people. So well, I'll be in town this weekend. We talked earlier. I'm definitely interested. Hopefully, I get a chance to see you. Okay. Okay. Do we have anyone else that wants to speak? Uh, no more. Uh, no more new callers on. Uh, everyone who's uh, wanted to get on has gotten on. Everyone else is still listening, and we do appreciate that. At this time, uh sound like you almost made a closing statement just a second ago, but I'll, I'll give you that platform again just to make a final thought and put it out there from your heart in uh, whatever way you want it received. Yes, I, I do want to say that continue to uh, tune in uh, to get updates on education from our point of view because – uh, I think it's very important that we look at these things. We look at uh, the strike. We look at what our agenda should be because we can't always push someone else's agenda. And the CTU does have an agenda. We have to always examine the, how does that benefit our community. And as you've heard from some teachers, it doesn't. So when things don't benefit us, then we have to say, well, what action should we be taking? And we should be taking the actions of demanding that uh, the jobs that uh, that teachers and community members that look like us used to have be returned to them, uh, that our veteran teachers who are still wanting to work return to work. Uh, these, this is how the community can push uh, that we do these things uh, to strengthen our community. When teachers live in the community, look like me, uh, they might even live with me because they might be my relatives. When I have that kind of access to the jobs and the money, we can do nation building. But when I can't, I have to sit at home after I've gone to college and uh, let some other person who doesn't know might come in and take the job that's supposed to be in the community I live in. Now, that makes no sense. So we need to be pushing that agenda. If we live in an all-black community, we have to have teacher representation that looks like us. And, it, I mean, you might get some teachers of other ethnic backgrounds, but it shouldn't be the other way around where I have to look very hard for somebody who looks like me. So that's that's kind of where, you know, I want to close off. 
And you can tune once again. You can always tune in on Sunday night. We'll be on at 7, Teach for the Future, Chicago Alliance of Urban School Educators. And join to get our weekly updates and information about what is going on in the field of education uh, here in Chicago and nationwide. So I'm going to be signing off. If there are Rita, not thank any you more so questions. Thank you so much Pardon for coming me. on. And uh, I, I was just thanking you for coming on again. Uh, appreciate it, all the information. I look forward to uh, your show on this coming Sunday, 7 o'clock, same network. Yes, yes. Thank you. And thank you, callers. It was wonderful having this discussion. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And on that note, I'll close uh, in the name of whomever or whatever, your spiritual power. Peace.
Global Internet Radio Network.